Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Happy Easter. Good morning. Resurrection, the rising of the dead, is promised to come suddenly without warning to everyone on the planet. The last couple of weeks and maybe months uh, for some have really done me in emotionally. I've had a persistent sadness that's been really hard to shake. I found myself uh, deeply saddened by the increasing cases of the virus, rising numbers of dead, the struggling economy, social distancing and isolation that has resulted from shelter in place or lockdown orders. We're now living in a world uh, preoccupied with death and the threat of death. I'm saddened by all of this and I'm not alone in my feelings. I spoke to a dear pastor friend of mine a few days ago who described to me that he has had this enduring pit in his stomach. We shared our emotions with each other and it was good to have someone understand how I was feeling. As we all process this, I'm reminded of the valid, the credible, I can bet my life on kind of hope we have in the middle of this mess. One of the most well-known historical figures associated with Jesus was a guy named Paul. Paul, who in his early life had been known as Saul, had been one of the main haters of Christians. He led a movement against those that followed Jesus, even supervising their assassination. This went on until he had a face-to-face -face meeting with Jesus that changed his life completely. Paul was so changed by his meeting of Jesus that he devoted the rest of his life to him and his teachings, willing to speak on behalf of, willing to be beat, imprisoned, and willing to die for the one he had previously hated. The Bible is a historical record of all of his travels, and it contains letters that he wrote to the people that he met on his way. One of these letters was written to a group of people called Thessalonians. This is a letter about hope in light of the reality of death and the threat of death and the resurrection. It's a letter I need to read today in light of today's world. This is what Paul wrote, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, when the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, and the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So, encourage each other with these words. Paul is saying, I don't want you to be sad like people who have no hope. I don't want you to think of death as though it's an end. This life is not the end. There is life after death in the presence of God for those who believe that Jesus died and rose again. There should be a great deal of comfort, easing of the pit in our stomachs, lifting of sadness when we consider what is true for people who have believed Jesus and follow him in his teachings. Uh, there's a story going around uh, social networks about this doctor. Maybe you've 
uh, heard this story. It's from a doctor in Italy. Uh, from Dr. Julian Urban, a 38-year-old serving in a hospital in Lombardy, Italy. This is what he says. Until two weeks ago, my colleagues and I were atheists. It was normal because we are doctors. We learned the science excludes the presence of God. I laughed at my parents going to church. Nine days ago, a 75-year-old pastor was admitted into the hospital. He was a kind man. He had a serious breathing problem. He had a Bible with him and impressed us by how he read it to the, to the dying as he held their hand. We doctors were all tired, discouraged, psychologically and physically finished. When we had time, we listened to him. We have reached our limits. We can do no more. People are dying every day. We are exhausted. We have two colleagues who have died and others that have been infected. We realized that we needed to start asking God for help. We do this when we have a few free minutes. When we talk to each other, we cannot believe that though we are, were once fierce atheists, we are now daily in search of peace, asking the Lord to help us continue so that we can take care of the sick. Yesterday, the 75-year-old man died. Despite having had over 120 deaths here in three weeks, we were destroyed. We had managed despite his condition and our difficulties to bring us a peace that we no longer had hoped to find. The pastor went to the Lord, and soon we will follow him if matters continue like this. I haven't been home for six days. I don't know when I ate last. I realize my worthlessness on this earth. I want to use my last breath to help others. I'm happy to have returned to God while I am surrounded by the suffering and death of my fellow men. This uh, story, uh, this letter, uh, is actually not true. It's made up. Uh, the original source of the story can't even be verified, and, and the doctor seems to be a fictional character. But of course, it's a picture of what could have happened and what most believers would love to hear happen. Uh, this story has circulated around quickly. People desperately want good news, hope in these days of death and the threat of death. Well, what is true? <laughs> this letter's not. It's, it's a great story, but it's not entirely true. What is true in these days is that those who have trusted Christ uh, will be with him. Uh, we have this hope, this guaranteed hope. However, those who have not trusted Christ will be separated from God. Paul writes in his letter to the Thessalonians that says, You yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Even Jesus, Jesus said this to his followers in John 5, verse 28 and 29. He said, Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. Separation will come suddenly. I was on my bike several years ago in Cape Town when I passed a man who had just died. He was 41 and had just started a significant climb in the Cape Town cycle tour when he had a heart attack. I watched as they gave him CPR, and later a friend of mine watched as they tried to revive him with electric shock, but to no avail. Uh, he was a lean, very athletic man. I'm sure he had no idea he was going to die that day. If he did, if he had known, I'm sure he would have done everything to avoid it. 
So what's true is that death comes suddenly. And, and what's also true is that we don't know when it's coming. We also don't know um, exactly the manner in which we're going to die. Uh, but what we do know for sure is that if we do not know Jesus Christ, we will not see him again. There's no hope for those without Christ. But what is true is that with Christ, there's hope. Those who have trusted Christ will not be separated from him. I did a funeral for a dear friend who had died instantaneously. It was such a shock to us all. He was finishing up a great day on the beach with his family when it happened. The family had already walked to the car. He remained on the beach for one last look. At that moment, a rogue wave took him and beat him to death on rocks while the family looked on. I have no doubt that he would not have been there had he known he was about to die. Incidentally, just that morning, he had meditated on this same passage we're looking at today. I know where he is now. He was a strong believer in Jesus. It was the hardest and easiest funeral I've ever done. I really miss him. That made the funeral hard. I'm sure he is no longer suffering and actually in a better place than I am. That made the funeral easy. Okay, so in light of this resurrection certainty and the incredible hope we have as children of God, how do we live now? Paul in his letter gives real practical instruction on what to do now before we die and rise again. He says we need to live in purity and holiness, doing works of love. But all this is done while living with the hope of what was coming. They lived a lifestyle, the people he wrote to, lived a lifestyle of sacrificial love. And at the same time, they were ready and expectant of the next life. They lived by faith, hope, and love. We're encouraged by Paul in his letter to the Thessalonians to increase and abound in love to one another as we wait and as we hope. First Thessalonians 3, 12 through 13. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows may he as a result and holy as you stand before god our father when our lord comes again with all his holy people in regard to living in purity he says to put on the breastplate of faith love protect the heart first thessalonians 4 3 says god's will is for you to be holy so stay away from all sexual sin then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who did not know God in his ways. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this manner by violating his wife, for the Lord avenges all our sins. And he continues to give very, very practical, practical examples of what we should do. Paul ends his letter, actually, in uh, chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. He says this, but let us all who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger in us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you already are doing. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. He goes on to say, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, 
Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen when he who calls you is faithful. Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a sacred kiss. I would imagine for us, this sacred kiss is probably going to have to be a virtual kiss in these days of social distancing. Okay, so practical teaching, practical advice from Paul. How do we live while we're hoping? Overarching all of these acts of, of goodness and love, purity, good living, honoring our leaders, loving each other, not defrauding each other, all this practical, great living that we're being asked to do while we're waiting for the resurrection, while we're waiting to see God face to face. Overarching all of this, we live in such a way that we're comforted by the hope of salvation, the hope of heaven, the hope of the being in the presence of God, which comes with resurrection. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. As I've been thinking about this and processing resurrection, I wonder if I really understand honestly what it's going to be like to see him face to face. I don't think most of us really probably are excited about this because we don't really understand it. Uh, but I, I think most of us probably are, are stuck in an endless, I can only imagine song. Uh, Mercy Me wrote this song, I Can Only Imagine. Let me just read some of the lyrics to you. I can only imagine what it'll be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel while I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. I can only imagine what that day will be like. Um, and then he says something kind of haunting. He says, I, I can only imagine when that day comes, when I find myself standing in the sun, I can only imagine when all I would do is forever, forever worshiping you. We're just not really sure what it's going to be like. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we'll see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I'll know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. What is for sure is that heaven is a place of extraordinary love. Love does not die when we die because 
we'll be in the presence of Jesus. What we do know, what do we know with our dim view? Hebrews 12, 22 says that uh, we'll, we'll be in a place called Mount Zion, the, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And we'll be with an innumerable company of angels uh, in the general assembly of the church, of the firstborn of the registered in heaven. The Bible passage is rich with beauty and detailed descriptions of heaven. The city of the living God will be a spectacular place according to God's perfect design. And as one writer put it, the heavenly Jerusalem will be a place of unimaginable blessing. Those registered in heaven, having been made perfect by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, will assemble with an innumerable company of angels before their most holy God. To try and picture the multitude spread out before the living God is amazing and altogether incomprehensible. We will also uh, be with, with great multitudes. An innumerable number of people from all nations, tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. A place of no social distancing. Revelation 7, 15 through 17 says, Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in the temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. The Bible talks about mansions. It says, In my house there will be many mansions. I would have this were not true, I'd have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Revelation 21, 21 says the 12 gates of the city were made of, each gate was is made of a pearl. The streets will be covered in gold, transparent glass, Revelation 21 goes on to say that in heaven there will be no more sun or moon. The glory of God and the light of the Lamb will be its illumination. The city had no need of sun or, or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God illuminates it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor in it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, and there shall be no night. Revelation 22, 2 talks about that there is a tree of life in the middle of this. So we see this picture of incredible beauty, measurable greatness, streets of gold, uh, gates made of pearls. Uh, but overarching all of this is that we will be with him face to face. Revelation 22, verse 4 through 5 says, They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They, they need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Every beautiful description of heaven will come to fruition and far exceed our greatest expectations. But now we see imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we shall see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Heaven is a place of extraordinary love. 
Love does not die when we die. We will be in the presence of Christ, face to face. We will fully understand and know Jesus who knows us. A place of sweet intimacy, finally, with Christ. Not some mystical, cloudy place of space like a long-distance romance with no internet. Heaven is a place of sustained being in love. Who is it that you just get beside yourself every time you think of being with that person? We often think, how can we praise God or be in one person's presence forever and that be okay? But the reality is, is that in God's presence is this continual constant thrill that never stops. I can't wait. This hope in a credible future should inspire and motivate us. We need to live in a state of hope for what is coming. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. It's a great illustration of, of life for us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a, a Christian martyr, executed by Nazi Germans. He said this, the essence of optimism is that it takes no account of the present, but it is a source of inspiration, of vitality and hope where others have resigned. It enables a man to hold his head high, to claim the future for himself and not to abandon it to his enemy. The last words he spoke before he and his brother were executed were this, this is the end for me, the beginning of life. Ten years later, a military doctor who reported witnessing Bonhoeffer's kneeling in prayer before his execution. He said this, In the almost 50 years I have worked as a doctor, I have hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. We can be deeply comforted by this real hope. So, in a day of death and the threat of death, but the reality of the resurrection for all of us, be comforted. Resurrection, the rising of the dead, is promised to come suddenly without warning to everyone on the planet, but be encouraged that we will be in the presence of our God. This is the hope that sustains us. This is the hope that drives us. This is the hope that carries us through every part of our day. This is the hope that carries on, that helps us to love, to encourage, to hold our head up high in light of the world we're living in today. My prayer for you is that the resurrection will be real in your life and that you will live with this hope that someday we'll be in the presence of our God. The life we're experiencing right now is only just a mere shadow of what's coming. This is not the end. We have tremendous hope with God our Father. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for just the time to be together even though we are worlds apart. Lord, I thank you, God, that uh, we have salvation in your name and only in your name. Lord Jesus, we celebrate the resurrection today knowing that you are alive today and that you are with us. Lord Jesus, we ask for your continued presence. Lord, continue to remind us, to motivate us with the credible, true hope that we have in you, that, Lord, someday we'll be in your presence. Lord, we give you praise. In your name I pray. Amen. This is Rico Veca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.